All right, everyone. Welcome to the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast with Andrew Drozdak and Thomas Bowen. This is a podcast for slightly above average football fans, slightly below average football fans that want to learn more about the game. And if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody, here we are for episode 23 of season two of the Slightly Above Average Football Podcast. I'm joined by my best buddy and co-host. I usually make a joke here and make Thomas feel uncomfortable, but he actually did something pretty cool over the past day or so. It was at a home brewing fest down in uh, Charleston um, yesterday and got to serve some of his beer. I'm sure taste some other folks' beer. Thomas, that sounds like a pretty cool thing there. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We uh, started doing this a couple of years ago. It's hosted by a, a brewery down in Charleston, and it's, it's a lot of fun get to do this with with the buddies. We haven't been down there since 2019, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. We had eight different beers on tap, some seltzers, um, perfect weather, great time. Oh, yeah, all sure. time. Are, are you brewing seltzer, or did somebody else in your group do that? I did a seltzer. He was oh, a blackberry right. seltzer. Nice. Okay. Right. I think you had mentioned to me you were going to try and do that. Uh, a seltzer yeah. at some point. I'm gonna taste that, but uh, yeah, yeah. So anybody who's listening who ha- doesn't know, Thomas is a heck of a brewer and and makes damn good barbecue on top of that. Um, so you know we're you know man of many talents. So no jokes this week about Thomas. Just simply awesome beer. Um, I brewed my third batch of beer, Thomas, with my little home kit. There, it's nothing compared to what you do, but uh, hopefully it'll taste good. We'll see what happens. Yeah, right on, man. Looking forward to it. Hopefully it doesn't uh the carb tabs don't take forever for the beer to carbonate like it did last time. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we're here to talk about football. Let's jump into it. Today's episode is going to be all about the South Carolina spring football game. Uh, and then we will, you know, talk a little bit about the future next year, but really kind of leave that for an episode later as fall camp gets started and all that kind of stuff. But uh, Thomas, our what the world question today comes to the University of South Carolina, who put out their official attendance as 20,000. You and I both watched the game on TV, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, And I'm just going to I'm not a mathematician, Thomas. Uh, I used to tell my students I teach history for a reason when I was a history teacher. Um, But. Williams Bryce holds what eighty two thousand is that is that about yeah. the route number? Thereabouts, yeah. So if you assume, and granted, it may not be this simple that the lower bowl represents half of that number. So let's call it around forty forty one thousand, and the entire lower bowl was full, which by my screen it pretty much was. Yeah, I agree with that. It would seem to me that that number should be closer to thirty five to or maybe forty thousand people at that game. <laughs> what, what, what is your thought there? Yeah, I think you're probably right. And, you know, there were a lot of people that were that were complaining about that. And, and I get it, too, especially when, you know, they, they were hyping this thing up, that it was a night game and all that. And then and, and then I've heard anecdotally that some of the entrances, the turnstiles weren't working. So it's like, how accurate was that number anyway? Right. You know, if you remember about a week or two ago, I think I put the over-under at like 28.5, yeah, I yeah. believe was what it was. What, yeah. what I – just our fun over under. Right. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I think it was probably pushing 30 at least uh, 35, probably definitely. They they got to get that right, man. That's just something you don't like. If someone reports in, Hey guys, uh, we had a couple of turnstile things not working our number. We don't have an accurate number. Don't undershoot it. You're the, like, like 
why are you trying to hurt your program? Like oversell, don't get there and, you know, don't say it was 60,000 because everybody's going to laugh at you, but it definitely was more than 20,000. Like, what are we doing here? Like, I will say particularly compared to some years past, like, yeah, that was a good crowd for a spring game. Absolutely. And I, I feel confident. I can say this. I don't think everybody who went to the Gamecock walk went into the game, because if you look at those aerial pitchers, that almost looked like Georgia had come to town. That that yeah. game walk, like that was that was huge. I mean, I know Spencer Radler had already, you know, he's commented on that about how big and exciting that was. Just doing the Gamecock walk, and he was just kind of like, "Dang, this is the spring game, and we're like eight deep uh, on the Gamecock walk." So I thought, you know, that, that just I was like, "What are we trying to do to ourselves? Like, why are as the University Sports Information Office putting out this number that even an average person would say?" That's not right. If that stadium holds 80 plus and let's say the lower bowl's half, that it's at least three fourths full. Like, I mean, yeah. come on, guys. Like, yeah. anyway, so that's our one. What's the world for today? So, anybody new to the show, what we kind of do is uh, I talk a little bit of offense, Thomas talks a little bit of defense, and we both jump in on both sides of the ball from time to time. But uh, I'll start us off, Thomas, with offense. I think the thing everybody was the most excited to see. Uh, or, or see him play would be Spencer Radler. Spencer Radler getting out there at quarterback. He seemed engaged. He seemed happy to be there. He made quick reads. Um, you know, obviously we're going to not hit the quarterback in the spring game, but you could tell he's got a little bit of wheels. Um, I think the big pass to uh, was it to Leggett? Yeah, I think it was to Leggett. Looked yeah. like a, a variation of Y cross, which they mentioned during the broadcast. Uh, is his favorite play from the air raid offense. That's a, that's an air raid staple, but it's a, a passing game offense that pretty much everybody has a concept like it in there. Threw a great ball there, like a frozen rope. You're talking about from one hash to the other, and, you know, really just a, a great throw. Then he made a, a throw on what looked like it. I think he said in his little mic'd up segment that I saw on uh, – Twitter that Gamecock football put out that he, it was a sale route where he kind of dropped it in a bucket right on the sideline. I think it might've been Leggett again, who came up with that catch. I think that was the one they said he was sacked because he got touched, uh, but um, just really good throws. There wasn't anything that like just wowed you, you know, you weren't like, Holy moly, look at that, you know, but I will say on the Y cross throw to Leggett, that was at least a, a, you know, a deep, crossing route my goodness that ball had pepper on it and and came out quick so I mean that was my biggest takeaway I think he threw the ball 10 times he completed eight you know you're not going to have your quarterback have you know your starter in particular is not going to get very many downs out there um so I will say the thing I liked is that you know and um Shane Beamer commented on this on, on the broadcast like they did not put any like don't blitz rules in you can only run cover two and cover four and you know all that stuff that happens in the spring games to make the offense look a little bit better he told Clayton White bring it and there were a couple times if we could have taken sacks that Spencer would have been lit up like a Christmas tree <laughs> yeah. um but I think a little bit uh not to step on my offensive line thoughts but I think a little bit of that was just some really good cooked up blitzes by Clayton and his staff like they just had you in a delayed Brit situation where they didn't have we didn't have a, a blocker to pick up a, a fifth or sixth man coming uh Thomas what were your impressions of Spencer if you know if at all anything major 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, we, we all know in these spring games, you're, you're not going to get a, a whole lot of, of creativity and they're going to keep things kind of close to the vest. But I saw what I wanted to see out of him. Uh, he, he was crisp. Uh, he's definitely put on a little bit of weight, some good weight, I think, too. And I think he talked about that, too, wanting to beef up a little bit for, for SEC defenses. And he felt like – I believe I heard – he said he felt like oftentimes he got tackled a little too easily last year. Yeah. So he wanted to put on some of that weight. Um, I think he's carrying it well. He's carrying it well, though, uh, and still moves pretty good. But again, it's hard to really get a read on on uh, how well he's he's running the ball and moving around like that when they can't really tackle him. But but overall, look look sharp, look crisp. He's still he's always had that cannon of an arm. So I was I was happy to see that. Yeah, and you know, definitely didn't look lost. Um, and, and definitely, you know, the, the, the rumors coming out of, of Norman, which of course he has said was a toxic environment. The rumors coming out of Norman was that his teammates didn't like him that much. He wasn't a great teammate, which seems kind of odd considering Austin Stogner followed him here, or at least encouraged him to follow him here. And, uh, you know, said in an interview as well, like he was leaving after how he, how he saw Spencer get treated, he was leaving Oklahoma. So, I mean, you know, and when you watch again the mic'd up segment um, that is on Gamecock Football's official Twitter, it's about ten minutes long. He's engaged with his teammates. He's happy to be there. They all seem that way. You can be uh, a cynic and say, "Of course he does." He's got a microphone on. He's got a camera in his face. But you can kind of tell in those situations when guys are doing that, and his teammates are kind of like, "Man, what? You don't ever talk to me. Like, what are you? What are you doing right now?" And that was not the vibe. It was like he was there, you know, and everybody was talking, and he seemed. Like a you know good good relationship, so I, I like that um, a lot. Uh, so switching gears to another position, running back, running back. I, I thought if you walked away from the spring game thinking anything, to me, I walked away going, we got a lot of options at running back. We got a lot of viable, true SEC level running backs. Beal Smith looked good, looked like he could take a hit and stay up. Uh, Lloyd, Marshawn Lloyd had a, an explosiveness, a lateral movement, made that great spin move in the backfield on fourth and two. You could, you know, point out that RJ didn't do a great job tackling there, but at the same time, <laughs> Lloyd made him miss. Um, he, he looked like he was back from injury. Like, you know, he, you know, last year he yeah. at times looked a little stiff. He does not look that way anymore, at least in the spring against his own teammates. He didn't. And I got to tell you, Thomas, the guy I came the most came away from this, the most impressed with was Juju. Juju yeah. McDowell is a problem. Like I have that in my notes in all caps is a problem. He's got that ability that he, he sets up zone blocking particularly so well, he's going to be patient. He's going to let his, his offensive lineman get in the position they need to be in. And as soon as it's there, he's got the explosive enough to be gone. And, yeah, and that burst. he, that he looked very impressive. Um, I know everybody kind of sees it as Beal Smith voice versus Lloyd for starter. And maybe your thought is he's, you know, some people's thoughts are he's not big enough to be an every down back, but I mean, goodness gracious, he, he was impressive. Yeah. I always thought last year too, he, cause yeah, you're right. He's so, he's got that burst and he's so quick to hit the hole and he always, kind of like Z White did last year. He always ran the ball like he's just pissed off and just running with his hair on fire. And I think he's got even more of that this year. He looks even faster and more decisive. And I'm sure it's another year in the system and getting the system down and he's more comfortable. So, yeah, he could be a huge asset this fall. 
he's somebody I'd love to see. You know, I, I'm looking at the roster here. They've got him listed. I don't know when they put this info out at 5'9", 178 pounds. Love to get him at least 10 pounds bigger, 188, 190, just because, I mean, SEC hits are SEC hits. Um, but, you know, he seems – he's also another guy, and it reminds me of of almost like – I mean, again, I'm, I, you you know I make your eyes roll back <laughs> your head when I make these comparisons. But like a smaller back, like a Warwick Dunn, that seemed to have the ability to not take the big hit. Like, you know, yeah, if, if, if a linebacker, if Ray Lewis bodied up on Warwick Dunn, Warwick Dunn might not have gotten up. But that yeah. that never seemed to happen. He he had the ability to avoid that big collision, and it feels like so far as a sophomore now in his career, Juju seems to have a similar knack to avoid that full on chest to chest just blow. And yeah. that's not that that's a good thing. And hopefully he can keep doing that. Thomas, mm-hmm. what you know? Did you have any other running backs that impressed you, or is there anything else that you know about the running back room that that you took a big a, away from there? Yeah, and I mean, uh, really, with I, I was glad to see, and you mentioned it with Marshawn Lloyd, and he's got some of that lateral movement back. I think because I think we all feel that this is the year, like Marshawn Lloyd is, like okay, we we do got to see it, or we're not going to see it this year. Right. And I think again, he's been hampered by injury. You know, was a little unsure of things, but he, he looks like the back that we thought. And we knew that he could be. So I'm just hoping that that translates over to the games this fall because I really think he can be a good running back. But I just I just want to see that translate over. But I'm glad to see that he's got those steps back and he seems to be more confident on those legs too. I agree. I agree. So then um, I've mentioned mentioned him a couple times already if we switch to wide receiver. It's Xavier. I know that. Is his last name – is it Leggett? Leggett? I don't know if I'm saying Leggett. it. Leggett. Right. Whatever syllable you want to put the emphasis yeah. on. I try to say Leggett because I don't want him to be confused with the old Clemson uh, baseball coach. There it is. Because no, nobody likes him. Um, but anyway, uh, he he looked very good. You know, that had been somebody, if you read message boards, if you read, you know, internet, or, or, or if you've even paid attention to, you know, local news reporting and whatnot, that supposedly had the light had come on in the spring for him. He had really found a groove, and he seemed that way. Um, it In a way, it reminded me of Josh Van last year when you know josh coming into last year it was the, the comments were always he's fast he's big he's athletic we just need him to make consistent plays and he started finally doing that and that's what i felt again one game controlled environment Forty thousand fans in the stands not 20 um but it's still not mm-hmm. 80 um and it's not georgia across the sideline uh there but i thought he made some good plays you know i know um to carry on was was injured and, and not playing um, we'll talk about Bell when Bell. we get the tight ends, but um, you know, there was a couple other guys. I I liked what I saw out of Omega Blake. Uh, he he seemed speaking of a burst to have a really good burst. Um, that maybe he can develop. What what were your thoughts in passing game from the wide receiver position, Thomas? I mean, again, I don't think there was a whole lot of explosive plays to be like, oh, look at that. But I, I felt like when the ball was thrown to him, they looked good catching it. Yeah, um, uh, really, really pleased with Juice Wells, Antoine Wells. Yeah. I think yeah. he is he is as advertised, and I could see him being a big, big target this fall. He seems to have really good chemistry with that whole quarterback room there. Um, so he was probably one of my favorites there. Um, 
And then, like you said, we'll get into the, some of the tight ends. But I'm glad to see Leggett making some of those plays because we always knew that the athleticism was there and we right. just kind of wanted to see it get put together. But, I mean, I feel really good about the wide receivers, particularly when you've got somebody somebody like Leggett and Juice Wells you've got to account for throwing those big tight ends. It's tough to, it's tough to defend for sure. I totally agree there. So moving into the tight end position, um, obviously, Jaheim Bell, um, I think, who is technically still listed as a tight end. You hear he's going to be used as wide receiver, wide back that Debo Samuels become famous at uh, in the NFL. Speaking of uh, Debo, if you're listening, uh, come on down to Philly. Uh, I understand you don't aren't happy in San Francisco. I'm just saying Alshon won a Super Bowl with the with the Eagles. You can do the same thing, my man. Just come on down. Um, but anyway, uh, Travion uh, or Trayvon Kenyon. Uh, I asked Thomas how to say his name before the show and somehow managed to still mess it up. Um, he looked really good. Big number 12, caught a nice ball a couple times, even got it from the, the freshman Davis. And, and as Chris Berman used to say, rumble, bumbled, stumbled his way into the end zone. Um, looked good catching the ball. Somebody I, I'd like to see get some touches. Um, you know, he's six foot four, 245 pounds. That's that's a big kid uh, that can really, you know, have that guy who's long and he looks like he has very long arms um, in the middle. Get that kid on a seam route and let him then go start trucking some smaller safeties. You know, my, if, if the attention's going to Jaheim, if the attention's going to Van, if the attention's going to Leggett, if the attention's going to Stogner, you know, he might be somebody who who the defense doesn't think about who could really make a difference for us. Obviously, I just mentioned both Jaheim Bell and Austin Stogner. Bell has a small, very minor, um, from what we understand, hamstring thing. And um, Austin was not here yet for the spring um, as he was finishing up at Oklahoma. Thomas, you know, obviously, again, very limited here. What what are your feelings on the tight end room? Feel really good there. Um, like you said, I, I think it's really – and we still got Stogner coming in. And with Bell, I think we're going to run a lot of two tight end sets because we're able to do that, particularly from a blocking standpoint too. Right. I mean, there's really not a whole lot to say about that room. There's there's depth there. There's quality depth. And – I think we're, we're we're good there. I'm excited to see Stogner get on campus there for sure. Yeah, so I had this later in my notes, but I'll, it makes more sense to have it here. There was an article, I think, on The Athletic. Uh, shout out to Josh Kendall from The Athletic, uh, been on the show with us, um, that that where Marcus Satterfield said he wants to run more 13 personnel, which for folks who don't know that package, that that number is one running back and three tight ends. And there were some folks that were like, well, wait a minute. That means you only got one wide receiver out there. And when you think of Jaheim Bell, if he's calling him a tight end, you know, if you got Josh Van on one side, Bell either in the slot or on the other side with Stogner and Kenyon out there, that's a beefy package, but I still feel like we got some advantages uh, with throwing the ball. And I feel like it puts the defense in a bind of who do you put on a bell in that situation? And we can do a lot of creative things blocking. We did it in the North Carolina bowl game and the Duke's Mayo bowl. And we saw it. I texted you during the spring game, that little counter, it's a counter look with an RPO designed in it. And, and you know, with, with Bell running that play, it's it can be a touchdown in, in a lot of cases, and it was in, in the North Carolina game. So, I, Thomas, how do you feel there about 13 personnel that, you know, very heavy set? And it doesn't sound like he's talking about just the red zone. 
I like it because I think I think you can do a lot out of it. And I feel like, uh, you know, I, I feel like we've also probably seen some some sprinklings of that from um, from Chip Kelly, maybe even from uh, New England as well with some of those big heavy sets. But I think even like you said, not in the red zone, you could do a lot of it. There's a lot of play action you can run out of that. And I know that that Rattler has said he's he's kind of enjoyed being under center a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really think there's some truth to that. And mm-hmm. it's, it gives you just a whole lot of options, man, because, again, like they don't have to be true blocking tight ends. Those can be some legit big body receivers on the line. Well, and I made a point um, about this on a message board, and, and I want to bring it up here. You know, defenses right now are designed for speed. You and I have actually talked about this on the show a good bit. And and defending the spread, quite honestly, multiple wide receivers. If you out big body them and you get a Juju in the backfield or either of the other guys as well, but Juju's got the probably the most just pure speed, put him on an outside read or outside zone, uh, a pin and pull or just a good old toss, and you've got him outnumbered with like a Stogner, a Bell, and a, a Kenyon on the field, and somehow they're leading the charge out there with your linemen – I feel like that's a big advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think you can you can eat up a lot of yards doing that too, and then you're going to be controlling the clock as well. Uh, it could be a big weapon. And then you're putting the defense in a bind where no matter what they do, they're they're wrong. You know, they okay, we're gonna we're gonna stack the box because we think you're gonna run it on us. Well, Jaheim Bell and I, you know, I haven't watched just to be honest with you, Austin Stogner all that much. I don't know his his vertical speed, but you know, Bell's a vertical threat. We saw him run by a safety in the bowl game. So if you bring a another guy down in the box and you got Juice Wells out there, Josh Van and Bell. Now all of a sudden, you know, if you got three high in that situation against those guys, somebody's getting burned. Somebody's getting yeah. toasted. And, and you know, so that's that's something you know that gives you an advantage as an offense. You're always trying to out chess match the defense, and and that can really do that with those types of speed. Um, all right, real quick, offensive line, and then we'll switch over to defense. Um, you know, the offensive line was hard to get a read on because you had them split up. You know, it wasn't the five starters playing together. Um, I didn't see a lot of those, what I like to call, oh, crap moments where a guy turns yeah. around and looks and is like, oh, that guy was my guy as he's mm-hmm. run by him. Um, I did, like I said, uh, Clayton White and his staff just flat out called some good blitzes at times where we were outnumbered. Um, and that's going to be in, in the offensive room. What you're going to tell your quarterback there is, hey, that, that, that blitzer's on you. If, if we're outnumbered and everybody's got a hat and a hat, you got to get the ball, either throw it out of bounds or find your hot route or run. And yeah. um, so, but I didn't see a whole lot of, uh-oh, you know, and I did think when he played uh, on his group, Hank Manos at backup center looked pretty good. I thought Eric Douglas looked good. Um, you know, he gets sort of maligned at times and, and I've seen and read things about his strength and I just, he's a big guy. I feel like that's not an issue with him. Um, ultimately, uh, I'd love to have a situation where we get finally Wanham healthy, Dylan Wanham healthy and back out at tackle so we can move Watermaker into a guard role. I think he's better there. But ultimately, I, I was fine with the offensive line. Again, nothing blew me away. Thomas, what are you thinking? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, it's like you said, it's hard because offensive line is one of those units where there's something to be said for the cohesiveness and a unit gelling together as a unit. When they had them all split up like that, you're not really going to see any of that cohesiveness. But, you know, we've got we've got enough enough age and talent there coming back that it, it, it should be much improved. 
Yep. And, and another year in the system, we, sh- we right. should not hear, we should not hear the old uh, communication issue uh, brought up um, in, in press conference, or at least if we do, I'm going to be very upset. All yeah. right, let's, let's switch to defense. Thomas, I'll let you kind of lead the charge here uh, on this. What, what takeaways did you have from the defense in the spring game? All right, you know, this, this is really tough. This, this is really tough watching a, a spring game here, um, particularly, and don't want to get on too much of a, <clears throat> of a tangent here, but stop with the drills in the spring game. Nobody wants to see drills and whatever that crap is they're doing. First of all, that threw me off. I didn't know what's going on. Didn't know where we were in the game. So watching the defense, though, it's, it's tough to get a read because, you know, that guys aren't going to be teeing off on people. Right. Now, when once they got through the Dodies and the Rattler, the the other quarterbacks were live. Um, right. But so so, what did I see? You know, I saw a lot of good things out of Terrell Dawkins. Is that his name? The yep. NC State transfer, mm-hmm. um, edge rusher, which I think is 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 big. I really don't think that you can ever have enough edge rushers, especially when you can have fresh legs out there. So he looked good. Looked very comfortable. Looked like he knew what he was doing. Looked like a veteran guy out there. Um, Jordan Strawn seems to have uh, a little extra quickness in his step. So happy to see him. Still didn't, you know, I think Sherrod Green is still kind of working back a little bit. Brad Johnson, yeah, Brad Johnson looked a, a hair faster, which is always good to see. Um, I think everything is is on the defensive side. I feel pretty good about things. I liked Cam Smith moving him to that. They moved him to that nickel spot, right? Yeah, yeah, they have. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, I think he can do a lot of good work there. And I think he's, he's kind of looking at this season as he can make himself a lot of money this season, if he has a really good season back there. Um, So as always, I feel like I'm always a little bit concerned about the defensive backfield and the Mm -hmm. secondary. And that's probably where I'm at now. Uh, That would probably be my biggest Worry from that perspective, assuming everybody else can remain healthy. I don't know where you're at on that. What's your biggest worry for this defense? You you hit you hit the nail on the head with me as well. When you say defensive secondary, in my mind though, it's it, you can go even further. I'm not as concerned at corner. You know, I feel like we have some talent at corner. It's the back end. Safety mm-hmm. makes me nervous. Um, I mentioned earlier, Roderick. Uh, RJ Roderick had Marshawn Lloyd dead to rights in the backfield and he gets, you know, hits the B button and spins off of him and gains the, the first down. Granted, as you mentioned, RJ's not going to light up his teammate. Um, probably, particularly a guy he knows is coming back from a knee injury. But <laughs> at the same time, that was concerning to see. Um, now, I will say, and this has been the case with Clayton White all along, I think it's the way he teaches it. We've talked a lot about his zone coverages. We have guys in the area. It's not like the old days under Will Muschamp and sometimes even um, Ward and, and even, honestly, Ellis Johnson, where you had a guy running completely by himself and you were like, what the heck happened? Like, yeah. where, where did the DB fall down? What, what yeah. happened? And, and so we, I didn't see that, which, again, it's the spring game. You don't want to see that, you know. It, it, you know and so that's uh, overall. I will say a guy that I agree with the guys you pointed out, but one guy I, I feel like I saw his number around the ball a lot was 92 um, Tariq. Is it Tariq Johnson? Is that his last name? Yeah. Yeah. Johnson, Tyreek Johnson, saw a uh, sophomore and a redshirt junior 
um, out of Sumter. Um, I just, I felt like I saw number 92 around the ball a good bit. Um, and so if that's a depth on the defensive line, that's great. Yeah. You know, again, we didn't see Huntley out there a lot. We didn't see, you know, Birch out there a lot. We didn't even see Zach Pickens out there a lot. We're not going to get those guys hurt. Um, and, and every football play, no matter how controlled it is, if it's a live rep, is a chance for somebody to get hurt. Somebody's knee, somebody's shoulder, somebody's ankle. And, and you know, you don't – the last – the number one thing you want to come out of a spring game with is everybody healthy. Yes. And I, and I, think, I think Steve Spurrier is the one who, who I first really heard say that out loud. You remember uh, Noah Whiteside in Spurrier's very first spring game, I think he broke his leg, and, mm-hmm. and it was like – you know, and he had been having a great spring and all this stuff. And so everybody was upset about it. You know, again, you want people to be healthy. So that ultimately that's, that's big. You know, I, I don't think we can talk about the defense without talking every spring game. There's always a guy who just comes out of nowhere to have a, a big game. Uh, Josh Burns, uh, the walk on mm-hmm. safety, number 43 from Camden, uh, two picks. Now our boy uh, Clayton, Threw him some, uh, threw him some lollipops, but uh, he made some plays. You know, caught the interceptions, made some good tackles on the edge. So you know, who knows there? But there's always that guy in the spring. You know, there's always one guy yeah. in the spring where you're like, wow, who is that? He he may be better than yeah. we thought he was. Um, and he'll yeah, he'll end up being like a, a special teams warrior, a kamikaze on the kickoff correct. team. Correct, exactly. That's uh, exactly what would happen. Um, but yeah, you you just kind of walk away going. Um, that was, uh, that was, you know, oh, wow, that's great. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, second and third team. Um, Davis, the, the freshman quarterback, other than the fact that he looked like he weighed 170 pounds out there, he made some good throws and, and had some good poise in the pocket. Brendan Davis, uh, yeah, he's 6'6", 198. That, that's, yeah. uh, that's, I had no idea that he was 6'6". I don't think I, I knew that either because when he came out on the field, I was like, God, that guy's small. But then I saw him standing beside somebody, and I was like, oh, he's just thin. He, he's a big yeah. – he's just – yeah, he's – then he needs to be eating some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and, and put some weight yeah. on him. Um, so, you know, that's great. That, but overall, um, spring game, you know, I think in the past where we've come off – tougher seasons and this season wasn't a tough season but when you come off a tough season you want to watch the spring game and go okay i feel like we're better i feel like we can be better than we were last year last year's team did well um for what they were and the talent they had and the schedule they faced so i don't think anybody went into the spring game going god we need some kind of a spark to make me feel excited about the season and then you add in you have spencer radler you have other transfers coming in it's a new era you can really turn your team around in one season, you've got free agency out there, you know, Saban and Dabo and, and others have called it the wild West. And it really kind of is because my understanding is all the way up to May 1st, we may get some more transfer portal guys. And we, you know, that that could come in. Speaking of which Thomas, um, that kind of brings us to our next area of, of discussion transfer portal. We've lost some guys to the portal, mostly guys that are guys who weren't going to get the playing time they wanted. And I understand wanting to leave in that situation. The one that stings me personally was, I shouldn't say personally, I don't even know the guy, but EJ uh, Jenkins, I really wanted him to, to, to be able to turn out here just to be that huge body. Um, maybe he goes to Virginia tech to join his teammate, Josh Brown up there, but um, gosh, it just, it's, it stunk that that never panned out. But on the other end of things, Thomas, you kind of brought this up to me in a text message. If you could pick any area for us to get a transfer portal player that could have an immediate impact, what is that area for you? 
Yeah, you know, we, we talked about it earlier, and I think we're probably going to be, we might be heading down the same path here, but but the back end of that defense safety. I think if if there was a really good immediate impact uh, player available in the portal at safety, that's where I'm going. We need yeah. more depth back there. We need it's just it's just too shaky, and you, and you know you know how it is on the back end. Like you make a mistake, like that's 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 six points right there. So I'm going safety. What about you? I, I mean, honestly, I would say that, um, you know, I don't know if it's the old offensive lineman in me, but I, I, if we could find an impact, you know, left tackle uh, that can really protect Spencer Radler. Not that I think our line's going to be fine. I do. I think we have, I think you hit the nail on the head. We've got the talent. We've got the experience. We've got guys who are now been in the system for a second year. But if there was just some guy who, you know, big 6'6", 6'7", 320, 330, that's just for whatever reason unhappy um, where he is and wants a new change of environment and somehow he ends up in Columbia, I don't think that would be a bad thing. Um, but, you know, that, if you put a – if you if you made me choose, I would probably say safety. If they, you know, But, you know, I, again, I just think we have such potential on the offense with the skill guys that we have that my biggest thing is if we can block for them. And so because of that, I want another blocker that I feel even more confident in. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. And I mean, I think O-line is another one of those things that you can't go wrong with, particularly right. that left side. And you can never have enough depth on offensive line anyway. So I don't think that's the, you know, they're, they're you know, I'm not going to turn it down either way. Sure. Yeah. And I, again, I'm just like, I wanted to be clear. I'm not knocking our offensive line. I think they will be better than they were last year. I don't see it as a quote unquote weakness, but like you just said, I don't think you can ever have enough linemen because um, guys get injured all the time and it's just a tough spot. All right. Before I let you go, I got a little bonus question for you. I want to throw at you. We're not yeah. going to, we're not going to talk next season schedule yet. That'll be for, you know, down the road when we get closer to fall camp. But if you're a Gamecock fan and you've looked at our schedule, you realize we start off the season with Georgia State, and their head coach is South Carolina's former offensive line coach and running game coordinator and interim head coach, Sean Elliott. Um, Thomas, we're going to play a little what-if game here. So I'm going to take you back in time. It's 2015. Steve Spurrier has resigned. Sean Elliott has taken over. We beat Vanderbilt. We go on the road and we lose to Texas A&M. And then in reality, we lost to Tennessee. What I want to ask you is I picked three. One of them's kind of out there, but of course you'll see why I did it in a second. But let's say he beats Tennessee that season. And obviously the biggest one is the Citadel. So if he beats Tennessee and he beats the Citadel, he's got five wins. If you go look at the score and how it went, that number one Clemson team that came to Columbia, almost got an L. They almost slipped up and got an L. So let's say he pulls off that huge upset. We go to six and six. He's beaten our rival, who's number one in the country at the time. He stays next season, and he's our head coach. Tanner says, we're taking the interim title off of him. He's our guy going forward. Where do you see Carolina football right now? Do we have Shane Beamer as our coach, or do we have Sean Elliott as our coach? Yeah, um, we probably got Sean Elliott as our coach, and no disrespect to Coach Elliott because I think he's a great guy and a great coach. But I don't think that we would be – I mean, 
I'm not saying that he would that he would have failed here, but I think it would have been a lot of just uh, you know some seven and five seasons here and there, you know maybe an eight win season here and there. But yeah, I think it probably Elliot would be here, and we wouldn't really have a whole lot to show for it. So back to him in his time at Georgia State. His first year, he went seven and five. His second year, he went two and ten. Obviously, that's not very good. Then he goes seven and six, shortened COVID season six and four, and last season eight and five with a win in his bowl game to give him a thirty and thirty and thirty record. So he's dead at five hundred on his record. So you know, I just don't know. I mean, it's just an interesting because you know, obviously. You have Will Muschamp, that first season, he wins six games. We go to a bowl game and lose. The next year, we win nine games, go to the Outback Bowl, beat Michigan. And it's everybody's like, oh, hey, look, we got something going on. And then the wheels fall off. Um, can Could Sean Elliott have done the same thing the first two years, similar anyway, and then kept the wheels from falling off is, is what I think is the biggest question. Because I think a lot of it comes down to, his staff did he does he keep ga mangus that offensive coordinator yeah and, and what kind of continuity does that keep with the program um because you know does because ga put his own stamp on essentially the spurrier system and was doing you know that now ga's kind of gone out on a limb here since he left south carolina so you know i don't know if you follow him on twitter he says some very unusual things um <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's just an interesting thought because I wasn't – I knew we weren't going to get into this to next year's schedule tonight. But, you know, and again, beat, I guess the, the most obvious one that would have you know, maybe changed his potential opportunity to stay is losing to the Citadel. You don't lose to the Citadel that year and you're four yeah. and eight as opposed to three and nine with an embarrassing loss. You know, I don't know that he did enough just by not losing to the Citadel to to be invited back as the head coach. But I mean, we we are talking about Ray Tanner. Um, yeah, and who knows? Had, had he beaten the Citadel, we may have hired Tom Herman at that point. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, I don't want to go there." They just lost to the Citadel. I'm like, "Well, I'm glad we didn't get that guy anyway." Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I forgot about Tom Herman and and the crash and burn that he had. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just an interesting little thought there. All right, so this is, uh, for all uh, intended purposes, our wrap-up show of the season. It's the spring game. We do have a special bonus episode coming up in a couple days. Follow us on Twitter and on Instagram and Facebook to get a little bit uh, more information there, special guests coming on. But uh, anyway, for our normal scheduled shows, we're going to be taking a little bit of a break. Thomas, as always, man, this is awesome. We, you know, this was born out of you and I talking football for as long as we've known each other. Um, and it's fun to do it with a microphone and, and get other people to listen. Yeah, man. It's uh, another another great season. Looking forward to uh, the doldrums of summer here. And I'm sure come, come August, we'll be itching to get back at it. Yeah, I imagine there'll be another bonus episode somewhere just because I'm going to be like, hey, man, let's just talk about something. It's yeah. it's July. I'm bored. Let's talk some football. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, all right, man. Well, Bowen, tell the people whatever you want as we head out the door. Yeah. Thanks again, man. Another great season. And I'm um, looking forward to seeing everybody in the fall.